0: Really got a try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over and he uh, head over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit to make this game. It didn't seem to work out.
1: Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the scrum of the earth the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, and, as it turns out, some really cool interviews. Uh, My name is David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan. I follow rugby, and as much of it as I can, all over the world. It's pretty fun. I highly recommend it. So The Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast with bonus episodes frequently thrown in, and this, my dear friends, is one of those. So thank you for so much for tuning in. Uh, please get in touch whenever you like. Hearing from you is always my favorite part of this whole endeavor. So I'm easily accessible. I am at of scrum. I'm via the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. So drop me a line about whatever, whenever. So for normal episodes, the scrum of the earth does have a reliable weekly format and it goes thusly. It goes current updates. What's up with me personally. I keep that pretty short uh, news Uh, You'll be hearing a transition. uh, It's a sample uh, of Isa from Still Game that that delineates this segment, one of my little favorite funny things I think I do. Uh, Things to chew on. What's interesting or annoying this week? Uh, This is always uh, things that are interesting me or annoying me, unless you chime in. So please do, because I would love to talk about the things that are uh, being chewed on by y'all. Scores and results, again, self-evident. And, of course, then there's upcoming matches and predictions. So if they're a plan, I'm a pick and a winner. Uh, If even one of my predictions is incorrect, however, double your money back, so no worries. Of course, as I have said, this is a bonus episode, so we're going to forego those usual uh, trappings of the pod in order to get to the meat of this particular episode, which is, in this case, an interview I mean, I am just busting to share it with you. So if you're Very, very brand new to rugby and to rugby podcasts. Well, that's literally the only scenario I can imagine where you wouldn't have heard of my next guest. So from the Egg Chasers podcast, I am pleased to welcome one of the three hosts, Mr. Jonathan Beardmore. So we had hoped to catch up last week, but due to a a wedding, JB was unable to attend. Uh, His uh, his quick email was that he's unable to, to attend due to being stuck in a castle uh with poor wi-fi and you know obviously if if i had a nickel for every time i got stuck oh Uh, in any event we were able to chat just a bit after the weekend i just love talking to him i hope you love listening to his takes and all things rugby union jb must be the only person who loves talking about rugby more than i do and he was kind enough to take an evening to discuss everything from major league rugby uh, to the state of international test rugby all over the world so because i have been told more than once that brevity is a virtue of my pod i'm going to split this conversation into three segments i'm going to release them daily it it is great stuff i really hope you enjoy all of them as much as i have uh the first part will end up with us talking about the artist formerly known as the pro Pro 14 and uh we'll pick up from there in the second part i can't wait and uh please enjoy listening Well, uh, I just couldn't be prouder to announce my special guest for this week. So being a longtime consumer of rugby podcasts, I've naturally spent many hours listening to the opinions and analysis of the three fellows who make up the Egg Chasers podcast. Uh, If you're just now hearing about it for the first time, welcome back out from under your rock. Uh, We're glad to see you back in the light of day. Um, It's a true fact that they are there for us 52 weeks a year. No joke. That's something actually that uh, has inspired me to make that same commitment, though I'm on like week 10 so I can't really, uh, (laughs) I don't think I'll be catching up anytime soon. So the Egg Chasers podcast uh, is a pod according to its own description that takes neither the game nor itself too seriously. Um, of course, I'm thinking if you were to break down what uh, the talk between Phil, Tim, and the man I have here today, I'm guessing that what, Phil and Tim get what, 15% each, leaving you maybe 30, is that fair? About that. <laughs> so th- this man is of course the lovely and talented, the irrepressible Mr. Jonathan Beardmore, here courtesy of, of himself and perhaps on behalf of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. Thank you for slumming it today, it's really huge for me. Is it all right if I call you JB? Uh, it's
0: absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. And, and thank you for having me on the Scrum of the Earth podcast. It's a real honor. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I wonder if the uh, the title they came up with is the best thing about it sometimes, but we'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's probably better than Egg Chasers, surely.
1: <laughs> you know, so Egg Chasers was the first, uh, no, the second pod I found, I think the rugby pod, when you just literally Google those terms, that's the one that comes up most. But uh, never didn't, didn't stick with that one. It's, it's you guys, 52 years, weeks a year for, for years now. When did, uh, when did the pod actually start? Was it a, was it a Tim Ooh. idea? Was it a you idea? Oh, well, I can tell you, actually. So the reason all
0: happened is because I love the NFL. Mm. And about 10 years ago now, I was watching NFL, and I was really getting into it. And you can't get any good NFL coverage in the UK in the same way that you can in the States. So if you're yep. in the States, you know, you can read about it in your papers, you can turn on ESPN, you can do all, you know, you've got a lot of coverage of, of, of NFL. And the only way that I could get my NFL fix was to start consuming podcasts. And this mm. is in days of podcasts. So might even be think, thinking like 12 years going up.
1: Oh, dang. So yeah. You, I'm thinking Bill Simmons, you probably listened to and- uh... Bill
0: Simmons. Do you know Ross Tucker? No. So Ross Tucker is a guy that I used to listen to. <laughs> Prior to him, who was the black coach of the Arizo- Arizona Cardinals who went absolutely spare in a press? Conference?
1: Oh, 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 uh, Dennis something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they were who we thought we were.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was that guy? Um, Dennis. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, his <laughs> son, right? was doing the espn podcast and he's a bit of a strange fella anyway and one day he just disappeared off the espn network to be <laughs> replaced by ross tucker who i still listen to now uh because from what i could tell he got done for i'm not sure what it was assault a and battery or something anyway got locked up and never heard of him ever again <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh anyway. dennis green that's it dennis, dennis
0: green green that's the one anyway that's uh, a bit of a sidetrack there yeah so I was doing, uh, I was listening to these podcasts and then all of a sudden I was playing for Broughton Park and Tim Cocker shows up and I instantly hit it off with Tim. Literally, as soon as he arrived, I shook his hand. um, We paired up together for a drill and that was it. We were just mates. And eventually I found out he was a radio presenter.
1: Uh.
0: And from that I said, look, mate, you've got to get into these podcasts. And he wasn't overly keen because he's got a really successful career, particularly in, well, at the time, particularly in indie music. Like Uh. this is, this is no no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Massively. So, it, there used to be the case back in the day that if you took Tim into Manchester, particularly if there was a Manchester band, there's a good chance that Tim would be more famous in those settings than the actual band would be. Like right? ah! he, he 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 was a real big a uh, uh, big deal in XFM, and I just said to him, "Look, do a podcast." And we did one, and it was terrible. And we just <laughs> it was also dreadful. We did the third on well, my kitchen table. We couldn't put it out. And we tried again for fourth, and it had me, Tim, Phil, and a guy called Blake. Ah. Um, he was a rugby league guy, but he disappeared after three episodes.
1: A rugby league guy.
0: <laughs> that was We just carried on doing it week in, week out. So that's how it all started, by sneaking into XFM in Manchester.
1: Uh, that was how long ago?
0: Well, that's a good question. I think it's nine years ago. Some people say it's eight years ago, because we duplicated the season of Egg Chasers. So it's two season sevens, I think.
1: Oh, oh, that's right. I've heard you guys talk about that. So yeah, we're not entirely sure. I
0: think it's eight years now.
1: So, so I'm trying to think, how many lines tours does that cover for that you've done on the pod? Is this the the third? Yeah, no, 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 no. The second, the second, right?
0: Yeah, we did the New Zealand one, and prior to that,
1: oh no, we we've done, yeah,
0: two, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, two.
1: Oh, okay. So uh, here's an easy one for you. So what's been the best part about doing this plot all the time? Um, and by the way, it has to be that you know that it is because of you that there are two teams in Major League Rugby whose names are spin-offs of the Negroni. <laughs> I mean, have you actually reached out to anyone and asked about that? Because
0: no, we have not. And we need to ask about that, don't we? Like when we heard about the Gilgronis, we couldn't, we could hardly contain ourselves.
1: It um, has to be. I don't know anyone who drinks those. It has no. to be.
0: It It's uh, it's. It's an amazing coincidence, if not, but we will will have to check. There was was a period of time when I was almost certain that Austin Healey was listening to Egg Chasers in the early days and then writing his column based on what we said. (laughs) I'm sure he'll deny it, but he wrote one column about Steve Diamond becoming England coach. And he wrote another column about something which we said the week week before last. I'm like, he must be listening. Although Austin's a very bright mind. I'm sure he can come to his own conclusions without our help. (laughs) So
1: yeah. I, I do have to wonder, so do you actually ever watch Major League Rugby? Is it is it available? Is it easy to catch? Do you have to bend over backwards to see it if you want to? Um, All rugby yeah. here, you have to bend over backwards.
0: Yeah. So the answer is this. Um, I know that Phil watches it. Um, I also have a friend... I've, I've, I've got a couple of friends playing. In fact, I've got one playing for the Free Jacks. Really? One playing for the... Um, for the Sabercats. Uh, and also you know everyone's interested in what matt Gitto and co are, are up to in la of so that always draws you in he is, he's
1: he's living the life out there right
0: isn't he just isn't <laughs> he just now with all rugby uh i kind of switch off a bit if it's not premiership and it's not because i don't appreciate it i mean if you sit me in front of a game i watch it and i, I like it but in terms of just the amount of bandwidth I have, mm. I'm just so dedicated to watching the Premiership, and I say that like a bit of a loser. Actually, I'm not just obsessed by it. But when you're trying to cover a com- um, a competition in detail, and I've sort of tried to step it up a notch recently by attending the press conferences, you just don't have enough. You just don't have enough time to do everything. I mean, I found like this year in the Lions, uh, I could hardly focus on the Lions. Because it just doesn't excite me in the same way that that that, that the Premiership does. In fact, I even really? get annoyed when they when the Premiership teams play in Europe because I like to watch the Premiership, and I think it's just familiar <laughs> really with yeah. it and I understand it and all the rest of it, you know.
1: I love the European Cups. That that's something that is one of the hardest things to grasp as an American because it's not like if you're a Patriots fan one day your quarterback's not available for five weeks because he's playing in Canada, you know? There's just nothing comparable to it. And they even bust out the wacky uniforms and stuff. It's I always wonder who's designing those. It's funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, Americans must find it particularly um, annoying. And actually, I think that the club owners do as well. So there's a a duality to this. So as an American, you look at this like, how are you putting this product out and paying these guys and they not show up? Yeah. That is just bizarre, isn't it?
1: And you're you're signing some of them knowing that, too. You're giving big contracts saying, yeah, you'll be here five times this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think the club owners are equally befuddled by the whole thing. Now, I'm paying Stuart Hogg how much money, and he's going where, when. But yet they do it. it. Uh, I think that's something which needs to be grappled with, actually.
1: I mean, is that something that screws the fans, though? You know, because maybe you, you buy your season tickets thinking, I can't wait to see Stuart Hogg, and then... You've seen him three times.
0: Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I I think to a certain degree, as a rugby fan, in the UK at least, you just have to sign up to that. you just got to sign up to the fact that you're not going to see all your best players all the time. Now, football, as in soccer, do it a little bit better because, yes, they have international breaks, but the the club teams don't play, so you don't really miss those guys. Mm. Rugby has to grapple with this because I don't think it's good enough uh, not to see Owen Farrell. Or George Ford, or you name the player, damn, dumb bigger. Uh, this is why people go watch the go go watch the team.
1: Mm. Why name the money. Well, this last year too, because of the pandemic and the okay, you can only play people this number of games. There was some real, you know, throw-in-the-towel games where cl- coaches were like, "Nope, you're getting the C guys. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, can't do it." I, I don't. I can't even think of an
0: American equivalent for this, where you throw certain games. you just don't do it.
1: No, the, the NBA has that thing now with, with the traveling and, and when they started scheduling back-to-back games, you know, Greg Popovich and these coaches were like, fine, Tim Duncan's not getting on that plane because uh, I'd rather he rested his knees and okay. uh, fans complain about it a lot. But, you know, he, until they make a rule against it, it's hard to say that's a dumb idea.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, certainly from player welfare point of view, there is a rule in rugby. I'm sure it's buried somewhere in the premiership rags that you have to play your strongest team. There's mm. definitely a ruling like that in the Premier League, but ultimately, you know, rugby is a, a a sport with player welfare issues. Can you imagine NFL teams playing, you know, with a four day break?
1: You can't. Yeah. Can you? I mean, they just added another game to the regular season this uh, this coming season. There's going to be 17 games. The whole thing's going to be a little wacky, and all yeah. all stats are going to be thrown off after that for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, of course, because the stats are done on the length of, the length of a regular season.
1: Yeah, and if you're only playing 16 times, one more is kind of a big deal. So
0: Yeah, massive, massive.
1: So, you know, obviously I'm an American rugby fan. I always want my USA Eagles to succeed. Um, I want them to look good in the global stage. I was actually pretty impressed with the job they did at Twickenham just recently. Um, It was not great, but it was better than I thought. And I'm realistic about where they are. They filed for bankruptcy not too long ago. So there haven't been any windfalls since then that I know about. Mm -hmm. And of course, and of course the NFL is just so big. It's just hard for any other contact sport to sort of break into Americans collective consciousness. So, you know, if you were an American rugby fan right now, what would your assessment be? Would you think, okay, MLR, we're going in the right direction. Things are looking up or is it just another year where somebody makes the comment about, Hey, it's the sleeping giant. Oh, look, the league folded again.
0: Yeah. The answer is, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'll say this Um, USA rugby I really like, not necessarily the team, although I do really like them, but I really like the community. I like the fans around hmm. USA Rugby. It's, it's got a real, um, it's got a real small feel to it. And don't take that as an, a knock. It means, I don't know. It, it means I, I guess that when you find a USA Rugby fan, they are a hardcore committed fan. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. There's um they're on par with, with anything you find in terms of enthusiasm in, in the home nations. Just one observation I would make, and this is from a few years ago. But I went to the USA versus uh, All Blacks game in right
1: in Chicago Soldier's Field.
0: Right? Oh, what a what a day out! What a day out! Now I don't know how full Chicago Field, uh, sorry Soldier Field, was that uh, that day. It was pretty full.
1: Yeah. But
0: the atmosphere in there was like, I mean, considering what the score was, (laughs) uh, like (laughs) seventy something to three. Yeah.
1: was it six we Um, we got we got three hey we got six actually (laughs) you got six
0: at a time when new zealand got 10 so you 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 were doing all right eric (laughs) was making some some good ground
1: well i'll tell you i have my ticket to the new zealand versus usa match that's scheduled for october 23rd in washington dc but that game's not happening right there's no way like Mm -hmm. you can't uh Australians aren't allowed into New Zealand right now. Are they going to let their players out to the United States in six weeks?
0: I would suggest they are. I would think? Yeah, and I'll tell you why I think. I think because there's a massive deal with Silverlake on on the table.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Wheels will be put in motion, palms greased, all the rest of it. (laughs) I think that there's a good chance that that will happen because the American market for the All Blacks is particularly important. They know that they're a big global brand Mm. and I just, I don't know. They did say, didn't they, in the press release that they can't come back till November. So if it's come back to November, and then when did you say the Eagles game is?
1: October 23rd. So it's before that.
0: Yeah, I don't see why it
1: wouldn't. I don't know. Are we going to get the Seaside All Blacks? Either way.
0: You'd be lucky to go, hey, if you get the Seaside All Blacks, you'll be in for more of a hiding than if you get the A-team All all Blacks.
1: (laughs) That's true. Caleb Clark will be like, I'm back from not getting on the field for the Olympic sevens. Yeah, that, that's
0: literally the last people that you want to see, or the or the reserve All Blacks, because they will give you the hiding of a of a lifetime. Because all they want to do is get picked for the actual All Blacks.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean we have a chance, right? No, we don't. We don't have a chance. But well, I, I mean, I got my ticket. Maybe the game will go ahead. It, it seems pretty dicey right now. Where, where is the game? In, in D.C., it's at the. Uh, well, it's actually in Maryland, but of course, it's where the uh, the Washington Professional Football Team play.
0: Ah uh, yes, um, the, the team formerly known as the Redskins. Um, the, Wales played a game there, didn't they, against South Africa? And it doesn't seem to be a natural rugby stadium to me. What do you think?
1: Well, uh, what I'm, what my understanding is, it's a crappy stadium in general. The uh, the, yeah. o- the owner FedEx of fields. the team is is suspect. The um, what's it called? Uh, Fe- a FedEx Field, I think yeah. something like that. It's just a you know random thing, but. They haven't made upgrades in a long time. It's impossible to get there. It's uh, all right it, on the edge of the- it, It's the NFL, and they can't fill it. And every team fills their stadiums in the NFL, so they're doing something wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I just remember the Wales South Africa game. I, was, I don't know. There was something about that stadium that I didn't, I didn't particularly like. Um, I do think there is some hope for USA. I mean, you know, I I'm lucky enough to bump into AJ McGinty now and again up in. Manchester. I think I'm he's... told
1: he'll be back in the field against Canada in a couple of weeks. Or a week, I think.
0: Yeah. Now, if you want to know, I mean, obviously AJ is not quite as American
1: as we would hope. <laughs> he would. <laughs> no, he's Irish. I know. I know. <laughs> he, he was... what, In
0: terms of a disciple. Uh, yeah, I'm, cl- I'm the...
1: claiming him though. It's fine.
0: Oh, you should do because uh, you know the, the pride he has in the USA shirt is absolutely immense. Uh,
1: he is sold 100. percent in- so I, I don't know, understand all the rules. Is it, is there any danger that one day he, Ireland says, Hey, AJ, you want to come play for us? And he goes, Ooh, wow. The, the old country. Is that a danger?
0: I would suggest it's a uh, no danger whatsoever. He is totally sold on the USA. I mean, he's, he's got an American wife. Um, I think he loves, he loves his time spent down in Georgia, mm. uh, you know, he might speak with an Irish accent and come from Ireland, but uh, in terms of rugby, he is very, very American. He loves it. He absolutely loves it.
1: It's, it's good because 10 seems to be the position we have a really hard time producing. When you're breaking down majorly Rugby, most of our 9s and 10s are not from here.
0: Yeah, and I guess it makes sense, wouldn't it? I mean, the best 10s in the world are... Based in the countries which play the most rugby in the world, because it is that sort of position. Look at New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, so that's stuff
1: you—it's the stuff that you get from starting when you're five instead of when you're 15, right?
0: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we don't even have that many tens or brilliant tens in the northern hemisphere when you think about it. Yeah. to—I uh, mean, New Zealand would be the one, but I tell you, the other one as well is uh, Australia. Yes, they don't have an out and out brilliant ten, but how many brilliant all-round rugby players? do... do do they produce? Like the Tamuas or the Gittos or Mm -hmm. can play 10 but ultimately end up playing somewhere else?
1: Australians, they're a tough one. I feel like uh, they're not in a good place right now and uh, I think the rugby championship is going to bear that out. I think they after squeaking by France I just, this is just my take I feel like Australian fans were like, hey we did it. We're back. We beat France Uh, We showed how much fight we've got and now I think uh, the pendulum is going to swing back (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, they're always riddled aren't they with politics and there's always something going on with australian rugby and they're racked with guilt for very you know various reasons whether it be the horrendous way they treated israel fallow or you know their indigenous shirts or whatever there's always a drama going on in in australian rugby um yeah or oh, just on the france thing though i mean that's a legitimately good result for them do, do you not think because i think it's oh. a really
1: I, they're my pick right now to win the 2023 World Cup. I think the mm. home advantage is going to be big. I think their their players are going to be peaking age wise. They look so good to me right now.
0: Well, um, obviously, I've noticed the, the free Jacks uh, top that you've got on. Uh, are, are they playing close to you? Are they?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, takes almost an hour to get there, but, uh, it actually it's, they, they play in the town I used to live in. It would have been much nicer then. I could have walked to the stadium, literally, but, uh, yeah, it's about an hour. It's Bloody really nice. Yeah. In U.S. terms, and I
0: was nothing.
1: Yeah, it's great. And, you know, before I went to see a match in person, everyone told me, oh, oh that's going to make the difference. Seeing it in person, when you hear the impacts of the bodies on the bodies, mm. it's just a different thing that, that you don't get on television. And th- they were right about that, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, what? you, you don't get used to it either. Mm. Well, I must have seen God knows how many games at the A.J. Bell now. And I play the game still. Uh, you know, once, twice a week prior to COVID, three times a week, and you go to the stadium. You go to the AJ Bell. Like after after COVID, my first game back watching live rugby was Bath versus Sale, and the first impact it just reminds you how hard these guys play. Yeah, the hell, bloody hell, they are brave.
1: You know, it was it was a great experience too. The the Free Jacks are obviously so new and so this season. They actually moved to a, a second stadium for the very last game of the year, which basically went from a, a park with some stands to an actual stadium, which was fantastic. Mm. And I think they must have done a lot of local advertising, like, hey, here's the cheap tickets, come check out rugby, check out rugby, because I heard lots of people around me who had never come before and were just there on a flyer and I'll spend a few bucks. And that was all the talk. It was, whoa. I didn't know they played this hard. Whoa, I didn't know you could hear somebody hit somebody from up here. You know, like, yeah, it really made an impact. It was really cool. I don't know why, but the
0: new, is is that correct to say it's the New England free jacks? Is Mm -hmm. it a, yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, like like almost all teams, uh, they call them New England and put them right in Massachusetts, and none of the other New England states have a chance. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They always say uh, which of the NFL teams is a combination of states. New England, of course.
1: Yeah. Um, well, well, the, the better thing is uh, there are two NFL teams that have the word New York in their name that neither practice nor play yeah, in New York, uh, and there's one team that does play in New York that doesn't have the word New York in their ta- in their name.
0: Is that is that Buffalo?
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't know why, but New England does seem to me like a very rugby-ish place. I don't know if it's got a, a massive history, but it just feels like the Free Jacks are going to do well.
1: I hope so. You know, it, it, it's a small league, so I, anything can happen. And of course, they're constantly rotating people out. You, you, we get retirees from Europe and from, uh, from the Southern Hemisphere. And sometimes, you know, Ma- Ananu came here and just destroyed everybody in front of them. But then Matthew Bastro came to New York and pretty much just ate hot dogs, I, th- I think. So,
0: Well, I mean, no difference to when he's playing for France. <laughs> <laughs> That's they, a
1: they, they played him at, at 15 at one point, too. It was totally bizarre. I think there no was well, right? There must have been a translation problem.
0: Like the Matthew Bastro thing, he gets a lot of stick. But I, I was lucky enough to chat to Matt Gitto about him. Mm. And he just says that because he's such an unusual guy, he can do things that no nobody else can, and he's absolutely right. I mean, I can't think of a of an of an American equivalent. Maybe like Ella Garrett Blunt or a <laughs> Jerome, like Jerome Bettis, something like that.
1: On the bus. But,
0: yeah. But like he, he you know, Ghetto's right. He in certain situations, um, Bastro is unstoppable. He's a unique talent. Not very many people are his size, with his explosive power and his hands as well.
1: It's true. And I got to say, watching as much rugby as I can, France is the so the league I can't follow is the top 14. I have found just no way to follow it at all. Okay. Uh, And I want to watch those games, you know, listen to people talk about it. And just the French attitude is so much different with the, uh, there's no respect the kicker. They're like, okay, time to bring out the marching band. (laughs) And like, and it's funny because here they're trying to do the more traditional thing. So you go to the free jacks and they get the, respect the kicker, everybody quiet thing. And I'm thinking it's one or the other, right? But you should pick early on uh, because I like the idea of hassling the kicker. I think that's why they call it home field advantage. You know, so it's not not golf. It's not tennis. Come on.
0: But, okay, so riddle me this. It is my contention, right, that you can do whatever you want to the kicker so long as you have a history and a tradition of doing it.
1: Yes. I, exactly. That's why I wanted us to, to start early. I wanted this season to be like, the, no, no, no. When you go to New England, they're going to be haranguing you the whole time. Think it's, but, but, but think of this, right? You go to Welford Road
0: and you can hear a pin drop. Now, mm. if I'm a kicker, do I want it to be so quiet that I can hear the guys in, in the front row whispering, mm. knowing everyone's watching me? No, I think it just ratchets up. It doesn't help. I'm sure it doesn't help. In fact, I'm sure it's one of those things, it's like false modesty in a way, isn't it?
1: We've been falsely respectful and actually it's <laughs> not particularly helpful. <laughs> have you ever attempted a penalty kick in a game? Have you ever, you know? Uh, I have actually. I've got a 100% kicking record. I've got four from four. Is that right? Four from hey. four. <laughs> that's great that, that was like we had a, a lineman on the patriots who belichick realized had good enough hands that you could put him in on offense every now and then he was too big to stop so i think he, he the ball was thrown to him six times in his career and all three times uh, all six times for touchdowns <laughs> Never, <that? laughs> damn I, i'm blanking on his name right now my my brain's on rugby and i'm well i know that mike ba- i know mike ba- 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 oh, sorry, that, I that, that that's it it's rabel of course he's the uh i think he's okay. the coach of the texans now uh, coach of the Titans, Titans, that's it. Titans. Oh man, damn, getting corrected by my rugby guy on <laughs> <in> my NFL. That's <laughs> bad news, though. To be fair, the uh, you know, I spend a lot of time complaining about the NFL now that I'm a, a rugby fan because you know, my, my big thing is okay, the NFL is a 60 minute game that takes 180 minutes to play, mm-hmm. rugby is an 80 minute game that takes 120 minutes to play.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, work it though. out, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So
0: My rule on these sports, rugby league, rugby union, NFL, they're all kind of distant, distant cousins. And if you like one, but you don't like the other, I I can't understand that thought process. They're all contact sports. They're all broadly similar. Now, the thing I do love about the NFL is how long it takes to play a game. And this is a common lament from so many people, uh, like my dear friend, Tim Cocker. It was all about balling yeah. playtime, balling playtime. I couldn't care less. In fact, if anything, I'd quite like to string out the process of rugby for a little bit longer, so I can go to the beer to uh, go to the fridge to get a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and the NFL does that really, really well because it signposts to you: it's okay to go up and go and get something and make a tea <laughs> or
1: get a. coffee. That's right. The picture-in-picture picture Coca-Cola co- ad comes on for the 72nd time, and you're like, ah, beer time. Yeah. Yeah, because of the pandemic, I've discovered that watching the NFL with a group of people is a much different experience. Because if you're all there at a bar together, you know, something exciting happens. And then when they go to commercial, you turn around and you're talking about it. But if you're sitting at home and your wife doesn't care about football and you're watching a game, it is an unwatchable product.
0: The danger of that is you're talking too much. So we did, um, Phil and I did a tremendous day out. In Philadelphia and I had no idea Sunday drinking was so big in America I just had no idea around Um,
1: football
0: oh yeah oh yeah and thank god the Eagles were playing away so we're in Philadelphia Eagles are away they might have been against Chicago I can't remember oh no they were against uh Kansas and Kansas City yeah so you know obviously they'll you know they'll they'll run a play and then it cuts, and then you're talking. And then half an hour later, you have no idea what is going on. Because <laughs> as soon as you get into that talking mode about sport, it's very hard to follow the rest of it.
1: It's, it's true. There's a, you can sign up for the NFL's league pass thing, and that gives you the option to watch back the, the full broadcast or the condensed game, which is just every single play. Yeah, it's cool. It's jarring. And it takes like 42 minutes for the whole game. And the fact that there's no break in twin plays is like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's it's very strange to watch. They almost need a a happy medium. So just answer me this a a second,
0: if if, if, if you didn't mind me asking. Now, as a USA rugby fan and someone who wants the MLR to grow, do you think it'd be better if it just grew in one area? So there is easy enough population and wealth for instance for rugby to grow its own professional league in just texas or just mm. california i mean california fifth biggest economy on the planet right do you not think it'd be better from just to do it there so you know there's lots of local rivalries you know you can get to home and away games relatively easy or do you think for american sports to be successful it has to be nationwide
1: so i would like to see what you're describing at the club level. I would love to see a huge sort of club system in California and Texas and these places that are sort of factories as much as they are at all here for rugby. Uh, And then those rivalries could then produce the players who are better, who then might have an attitude about where they're going you know, in MLR. But I do think the thing about the NFL is you could pick any city in in the United States right now. You go there, go to any store, a TV will be on showing football highlights or somebody talking about football. Um, there will be paraphernalia on the walls. Like it is 100% pervasive and you just can't even escape it. Like, uh, it, it used to be that I used to look forward to Monday mornings to watch the highlights on ESPN, but you already know all the highlights by the time Monday morning rolls around now because you, you just can't escape it. Um, so I think, I mean, I doubt rugby will ever compete at that level. Cause it's gotta be the biggest league in the world, I would think, but well, I don't know. I'm, I'm told so- soccer is bigger globally, but I feel like the NFL as a single league entity probably makes the most money. Is that right?
0: Uh, oh, good question. I don't know. Certainly, glo- I mean, I don't think anything touches soccer globally if you add all of its constituent parts together. I, I think in, a, in terms of a single league, yeah, 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 you're probably right. I'm yeah. You know, I'm just wondering if USA Rugby are copying the other big national sports when actually they should be concentrating more on i don't know the new york scene or the colorado scene or whatever it may be where they've already got strong foundations and they can grow a group of players
1: it's a really good question I, I have an opportunity to talk to alex magleby who's the one of the owners of the free jacks later on this week and oh. uh, i think i'm gonna ask him just that he's a he's a really open guy and i'm sure he'll give me a pretty insightful answer on that that's a great get oh he, he's awesome how, uh, how, how do you run into him? So I had a, a co-worker who is in the U.S. Eagles Hall of Fame. She she played in the first two Women's World Cups. She scored tries in both of them. And uh, when I first sort of discovered rugby and wanted to start watching it, she was the person I was able to talk to about it. And she's known Mags for a long time and because um, she also spent years and years coaching and uh, um, has connections through Dartmouth, which is his school and stuff like that. So at the at the Eagle level, there is tons of you know intertwined paths because it's a it's a small group. so you're going to see the same coaches and the same people
0: now who is the eagle who is also an astronaut she played i think she's played she's a veteran she's an eagle and an astronaut and i she's on my list her name escapes me i've got damn, a list. I,
1: damn I, want I want to know this, this.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was her name is she i think she must have retired like 10 like 10 years ago now yeah but um i've yeah, I've got. Her, oh, how embarrassing! I've got a list of people that I want to to interview, and she is right at the top top of that list.
1: I mean, you got to think if you're succeeding in that sport as a woman in that era when you're paying your own way to everything. You know, oh yeah, actually, maybe you have the answer to this. I was talking to her one day, and I said, "Okay, you're watching rugby, and it's it's pissing down rain. It's bath. The uh, the field is just a total mess. Everyone is completely covered in mud, and they go into halftime." and they don't change. They come back out wearing the muddy uniforms. Not always. Why? Why, why would you do that? Well, not her, her answer was, we didn't change. We stood there on the field and got rained on. Oh, even better. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I
0: was about to say, because because this is this is one of my laments now. Some teams going in, getting changed, and coming back, back out again. That's unacceptable.
1: Really? Yeah. So it's a matter of pride to keep the, the, the muddy
0: thing back on? I mean, is that it? Well, I just think it, you know what should you be thinking about and it shouldn't be let's keep warm and dry you should be thinking you know get back out of there and go for it.
1: But you're in the locker room for what? 8 10 12 minutes like with the mud drying out. and <laughs> That seems I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe not, maybe not. I mean I would. yeah, I, look, I, I would not I would not want to change. I'm just saying I, I don't like the fact that, don't like the fact the fact that they are. It's never bothered me at, me at halftime.
1: Ah. Huh, well, I guess you're just that into it, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I gotta, I'm gonna try to speed through some stuff. Um, you are not uh, a big fan of the the artist formerly known as the Pro 14. Uh, what is it? The everyone says the Ultimate Rugby. No, it's United Rugby Championship now. I, it's supposedly about to start, and I I have to agree. So I I do watch it a lot, but I agree that the Prem is probably a better product. But what would you do if you if they suddenly gave you the job to fix? the the Pro 14, or what it used to be the 14. Is promotion and relegation the answer? Would that do the difference? Or do they need a stronger base underneath in order for that to work in the first place? Do they have an answer?
0: Yeah, so I, I think it's unfixable, I'm afraid oh. to say. Um, and, okay, I'm going to get a little bit complex now, I guess. But I don't see there being a bright future for the Pro 14. I don't think they can change up. So fundamentally, even with rock nation especially with rock nation. Uh, <laughs> especially with rock nation i mean from what i can tell from rock nation so far they specialize in creating athletes who are nothing more than more than divisive we've seen in the uk them getting so the, allegedly allegedly there are people in rock nation whose job it is to run social campaigns on behalf of players so we've got players like Marcus Rashford feeding kids allegedly, I mean he's not actually fed any kids on, and if he is campaigning on feeding kids, it's usually out of government money, now there's nothing per se wrong with that and I think it's a fairly noble cause, but you've got to understand that it will be uh, ran by someone in Rock Nation um, there is another uh, uh, Maratoji uh, is becoming increasingly more, more political mm-hmm. and that be because of Rock Nation uh, Who is who is LeBron James with?
1: Oh, I never remember the names of these. I, I broke up with the NBA a few years ago. The, yeah. uh, the officiating is just too bad. And w- once the Warriors, what was it? They won 73 games and then they were like, hey, Kevin Durant, why didn't you join us? I was like, okay, I'm all well done.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, just got go off, off on a tangent there, I think Rock Nation is capable of incredible things, but I think what they are doing at the moment, which is trying to marry sports and politics, is absolutely abhorrent, particularly when oh. it's for a commercial reason.
1: See, I haven't seen any of those types of uh, releases from them. I've gotten some of the, the stuff that just, you know, the word soup stuff about new iterations of identity and stuff that I don't really understand. So Yeah,
0: yeah. Couldn't, couldn't care less about any of that. Um, now, on the Pro 14, uh, they have a problem, which is their league is not particularly competitive, and also it's very hard for fans to follow. Um, I'll add a third problem into that, which is they're always changing the format. So the two competitions that I can think of are Super League, which is obviously Rugby League in the, in the UK, and, or UK and beyond, I should add, and Super Rugby, which is obviously the big Southern Hemisphere competition. And the problem with those two things is they change their format so frequently, very hard for individuals to pick up from, say, a year out of the sport or two years out of the sport and know what they're looking at. It's true. You know, if you look at the Premier League football, you just need to scan the table. You know who's good, you know who's bad. Let's go and watch a game. Premiership rugby, you know who's good, you know who's bad, let's go and play a game. Um, The situation that they find themselves in the Pro 14 with conferences, with South Africans, with the Rainbow Cup, you just don't know what's happening from one week to the next. So unless you're very hardcore and tuned into this all the time, it becomes very, very difficult. Now, the second thing they've got to reckon with is their international commitments. We spoke about this earlier on in the podcast, didn't we? But for the Celtic nations, it's even bigger because they've got fewer teams and a more substantial amount of international players coming from those teams. Mm. And they're now starting to do this insane thing where they are taking players who are in the national team and coaxing them back into their um, club teams at great expense. So I'll give you an example. There's a lad called Will Rowlands who plays for Wasps. Yep. He's doing really well, Uh, you know, effectively he's English, and if he wants to carry on with his Welsh career, he's got to go back to Wales, and they'll pay him probably over the odds for the player that he is. Well, no, actually, that's not true. They will pay him more than the academy product that they are developing at Dragons. He'll then crowd out the the guy at Dragons, and they will um, have a situation, in, in my opinion, where the... Union, the Welsh Union, will be subsidising the salaries of all of the club players to such an extent that they that they won't be able to continue, sure. because across the border in England, they'll have the the, the English the, the English money, which is a very strong source of, source of revenue, and they will have the have the Premiership. Now, the Premiership is loss making, but. The amount of revenue that comes into the to the Premiership is continuing to rise, and that and that's important. And I don't think the Pro 14 can do that because eventually it's just going to be sucking all the money out of the unions, whether it be Scotland, Ireland, or Wales. And when that money disappears from a union, it's not the pro players that own the union; it's everyone that uh, that own that that that, um, that owns a union. So just take the situation before the pandemic. Um, England was spending more of their turnover, as in the RFU, on the grassroots game than any other Northern Hemisphere Union. And it wasn't wow. even close. It wasn't wow. even close. I didn't
1: know that.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah and look, it's, it's ended badly uh, after COVID and some financial mismanagement, but that's what England were doing. They were spending much more than the, the, uh, than the others
1: on grassroots. Oh, so much fun, so good, so good. So to finish up here, uh, all the links are in the show notes. Listeners, please check out Egg Chasers. It's ubiquitous. It's really easily found. Uh, You'll be very glad of the rugby chat. As I say, it's every week, all year long, and that's reassuring in some ways. It's been a big part of my own week for many years running now. And JB, thank you again. You are one of a kind, and I'm eternally grateful for the chat. Uh, Listeners, check out part two tomorrow and the final installment on Friday. So once again, that about does it. As I say each week, what I'd really like is tons of input from you, the listener. Uh, Please be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at of scrum. You can email me at the earth at gmail.com. If you'd like to help me spread the pod to other rugby fans, especially here in the United States, I mean, God knows we need help. Uh, You can help by sharing, sharing, sharing. More importantly, leaving me positive reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Seriously, those positive reviews, I've now that I'm starting to do this, I've learned that that's really the whole thing. So uh, they are honestly the thing that makes the biggest difference. I know it's easy to kind of blow it off. But please uh, take a second and hook a brother up. Uh, check out the show notes for all the relevant links, and be sure to tune in for parts two and three coming soon. Special thanks once again to JB. It was just such a, a treat to talk all things rugby because that is what I am here for. Talk to you all soon. Cheers and be well. Here you?
0: Who, me? Aye, you! Algin! Oh, Aye, what is it? Who you doing at bush?
1: Are you George Bush? <laughs> ah, George Bush! <laughs> ask him if he's Kate Bush, man. Ask him! Shut ask up, him. man! Shut up! Are you Kate Bush? Aye, that's right. Couple of Egypt.